Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is educating about and working towards a true people's liberation movement and a true proletarian revolution, hopefully one day. Um, But until then, I'm your host, Josh, and uh, it's nice talking with you folks. It's nice checking in. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Um, In my state, they recently lifted the mask mandate, so I am falling very hard back into my uh, phobia of going out, and I don't want to be around people, don't want to have to deal with people, uh, especially folks who are coming into my job and giving, you know, me and my co-workers a hard time for, you know, A, wearing our mask, but also B, you know, kind of given the side, because now we're not allowed to ask people, like, folks are supposed to only take their masks off, of course, if they've had their vaccines. Well, you're not allowed to ask people if they've had their vaccines. So, cool. Great law, New York. You guys are doing great. Um, and you're making very smart decisions. CDC, you guys are doing awesome. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, but yeah, so that's been going on. Um, just got moved into a new apartment, starting a new job. Um, I actually, I think the job is kind of cool and I'm just hoping that it takes off. But basically in my hometown, um, me and as a part of a kind of group effort through multiple different organizations and a grant, um, we're currently walking around and, uh, kind of knocking on doors, hitting people up and being like, you know, do you have anyone in the house, maybe an older, uh, family member, maybe a disabled family member, or just someone who's not good with technology, who might need help setting up a vaccine appointment, do you have hesitancies about the vaccine, you know, can we ease any, any worries of yours, um, and, you know, we're not, we're not there to convince anyone, you know, you got to get the vaccine, we're there to kind of take a scope, really, of, like, what the city looks like in the case of, all right, who's going to get the vaccine, who isn't? who does have the vaccine, who doesn't. Uh, Not that our government matters, uh, because my area is super conservative, and for the most part, uh, they've done fuck all to, you know, actually help people during these times. What a surprise. Um, But basically, you know, we're trying to get the community a little bit more understood a little bit more educated for the sake of safety, you know, because the sooner that, as awful as it fucking is, that a majority of the world's population does not have the vaccine right now, the fact that we do in the United States, these things have a shelf life, and that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing in my hometown is because, like, we have a vaccine surplus right now, which... It's fucking crazy because I'm talking to my friend up in Canada who has yet to get his vaccine, I believe. Um, 
and you know the Trudeau government, their local provisional governments, uh, his union does dick all to make sure that you know the vaccines get. He had to go ahead and set up all these different meetings, set up all these different discussions through uh, you know the provincial government to try to get this shit figured out for himself and his co-workers but that wasn't done as far as I can understand by the union so that's what a great union um <laughs> that's funny he he listens to this and I I, I hope yeah okay um I uh I see that and then we see what's going on in India right now. We see what's going on all over the world in Latin America, in Asia, and in Africa. You know, in Africa, in some places, they're not supposed to get the vaccine until, in some cases, 2022, in some cases, 2024. At least to have folks uh, completely vaccinated uh, to the point where it'll be safe again. Uh, That won't come for some people for another for three, four years. So, the point that I'm trying to make is this. We should be, those of us who have the opportunity to, getting the vaccine to make sure our communities can be safe and our communities can have the best chances at not being the epicenter, not being the starting point for yet another spike. Um because then, you know, we get to a point, there's so many variants, There, you get to a point where there's there's so many different symptoms and so many different uh, versions of the, the virus that are going around that you can't properly contain it, um, which, you know, has happened to some extent, but we still have a possibility of keeping that from really, really destroying the world. Um, But yeah, so I'm a part of that, and so I've been a bit busy. My mind's been quite preoccupied with that, and uh, (laughs) spending a lot of time watching YouTube speeches. Uh, Shout out, just for the sake of, if you don't know, you should know, shout out Afro-Marxist on YouTube, shout out Marxist-Leninist theory the page named marxist leninist theory on youtube shout out desalines on youtube for you know putting theory up um shout out to uh dank audio stash for putting theory up the shit is so useful for me as someone who has a hard time focusing as someone who has a hard time kind of getting the ability to sit still and read even though when i get into it i can do it Um, It's just not the easiest thing for me going from the start. So having all these different audiobook sources, which, again, also you can check out LibriVox. LibriVox has some, uh, if audiobooks work for you. You can also go to Marxists.org, and you can find um, some audiobooks on there. But also, completely forgot, shout out Socialism for All as well on YouTube for putting theory out as well but mainly what I've been interested in and what I've been watching has been um you know YouTube speeches like uh I watched one called Kwame Ture Speaks uh I re-watched because I like re-watching it every so often the yellow Michael Parenti video 
as well as another one uh, on his book, The Darker Empires, um, or The Darker Nations, I should say. Um, and then I have watched a few other ones, including Maurice Bishop's speech. Um, I, I want to say he's in Harlem or New York City somewhere. I watched uh, Castro's speech in Harlem, and it's either 85 or 95. Because, <clears throat> you know, I'm getting to a point where I'm, I'm reading some theory, right? And it's very important. I feel that reading theory is very important because when we do the shit that we're doing, right? When we go out and we try to organize, when we go out and we try to build shit, we try to fix the problems we're looking at, there's an objective reality we're dealing with. And because that is so... There is a right answer and many incorrect answers to a lot of the problems we are facing. For example, you know, as in the medical field, when you have a medical issue, you have usually a solution or at least very few solutions but I'm sure that there's a million things you could do to try to solve, say, a heart attack or a, a, a blood clot or something like that to try to help someone with that that wouldn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, essential oils. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, I think that a lot of us forget... Because, I mean, this is not a condemnation on... And I think it's important that we make the, the distinction and the understanding that conversations and critiques of this matter are not a, a, a critique on individual people, but more a critique on the, the context that we exist in and the way in which it, it makes us operate, right? Whether consciously or unconsciously. I think that a lot of people forget that this isn't just a counterculture, that being a Marxist, being an anarchist, being, you know, a communist, a socialist. This isn't just about, like, let me just have this profile picture, let me post about Lenin, or even to the other side of it, let me just bury my fucking face in theory and philosophy books and not do a goddamn thing. Like, neither one of those helps anyone. And so, like, ultimately, that's chauvinistic. And I think we've talked about what it means to be chauvinistic on this episode before, or on this show before, but for folks who don't know or might not remember, you know, basically being chauvinistic, we could also define it as being opportunistic, um, but kind of chauvinism isn't always so explicit and conscious like opportunism is. Um, chauvinism is like when white leftists in America only care about the working class in America and don't care about what's happening in Palestine, don't care about what's happening in Venezuela, don't care about what's happening in Colombia, in India. Like, that's chauvinism. Or when folks who call themselves Marxists are TERFs and SWERFs, so transgender or transphobic or anti-sex worker, sex trade folks. Like, that comes from a place of chauvinism where that person believes, all right, I've read these books. I know enough what I'm talking about. Nothing else is important. 
right? Like, I don't need to care about the struggle of trans trans folks in in the United States or elsewhere. I don't have to care about that because it's all about class. And our, on our last episode, which I forgot to post, so you might be listening to this before that one, so there will be another one probably titled something to do with class reductionism. Um, but if you bury everything to class without connecting things to the class struggle, for example, you know, the, the trans uh, uh, fight for... Uh, humanity for dignity and rights not only in this country but in the world that has so much to do with the class struggle without needing to say no we don't need to focus on that because it's not directly focusing on class like it's a part of the class struggle because if we take it outside of class society if we take it outside of the perspective that we live in a society where certain people above us decide the laws and make choices about the society that we live in for us, you know, uh, divide us, splinter our minds, propagandize to us, misinform us about especially a lot of things having to do with uh, trans folks, um, then it can only be tied to a class struggle, but it needs to be tied to such a class struggle without being boiled down to simply a struggle about class right? Does that make sense? I hope so. So, to get back on point, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, right? And listening to a lot of these speeches because I've been into theory. I've been reading a lot of theory. But I feel more than ever that I need to take that theory and do. And that's that's the point of theory, right? And in a lot of cases, good theory. So like the theory that you actually want to read and learn from, which if you have any questions, you can come to me, but I don't feel like getting canceled by listing off what I think good theory is here. (laughs) Um, But basically, like, if you... If you're reading stuff that you can look back historically and say, oh, they failed. That's not always a bad thing. But it, it, it should tell us that maybe we don't take the plan of action that they took, right? If you're reading theory about ideas that just don't make sense in the theoretical world, that just don't make sense, you can't, you know, uh, reason or logic them out, it, you shouldn't read that either. Now, that's more difficult to figure out amongst ourselves usually, but I feel that it's something that if we are committed to actually seeing solutions, actually seeing changes, we have to we have to seek that out. We have to figure out how to decipher between you know, theory that is oppressive because there is theory that puts the 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 struggle in a way which then people don't have a key to their solution. They don't have a key to their emancipation, to their liberation. And that's what theory should be written for, right? And I also think theory is important because, it, again, if you're reading good theory, to some extent, you're reading something that gives you a, a, a plotted outline of like, hey, this is something you could try, or here are some ideas that you should try to wrestle with and, and figure out in and of yourself. Um, and any theory also that tells you to organize, 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 that's important. Because, you know, one of the speeches by Kwame Ture 
which I also talked about in the <laughs> podcast that has yet to be posted. Um, he says that we cannot simply mobilize. We have to organize. The difference being that, especially in the United States, we can look at just about any social justice movement in the last, you know, 30 to 40, even longer years is, and he says it, so I'm quoting here, he says, you know, we stand up and we sit down. We stand up and we sit down. You know, something racist happens, boom, we're all standing up. We're all going to mobilize. We're all going to go, you know, march and demonstrate. We're all going to go maybe petition. We're all going to go boycott. Three, four days, a week, a month later, no one's even talking about it. No one's talking about it and nobody is organizing about it. That's for sure. We need organization, not mobilization. We need structure, principles, and foundation, which will lead us to a point where we can actually impact material conditions, right? Actually change the very problems that we are talking about changing. And I think that many of us recognize that this is not the case. This is not what many of the folks in the United States are doing. This is not what many folks across the world are doing. And this is a problem. Now, I don't particularly get any enjoyment out of being the doomer and the gloomer. But I think that it's incredibly crucial to recognize the context which we exist in. So first and foremost, we cannot deny the insane amounts of oppression that exist worldwide. And the way that we need to view this oppression is that oppression against one is oppression against all. We must see and understand and learn the perspective and particular struggle of each and every individual that we can, whether that's in your personal life or we're talking about in a socialist society, right? We have to hear the suffering. We have to know the suffering of the masses. We cannot ignore a single starving person. We cannot ignore a single racially uh, uh, prejudiced uh, person. We, we er, By that I mean someone who has suffered under racial prejudice, not someone who is racially prejudiced. Um, we can't ignore a single part of that pain. And so it goes to say, without needing to say it, but I'll say it anyways, there is no pain that is comparable to another. You cannot look at the the plight of black folks in the United States and compare that to the plight of immigrants in the United States or of indigenous people in the United States. It does not work that way. However, we can recognize distinctions historically for the sake of being materialists, for the sake of understanding the solution to the struggle and suffering that indigenous people have lived under on Turtle Island, what we call the United States, for over 500 years, the suffering that they have felt will not be solved in the same way that the suffering of women 
under the patriarchal society, under capitalist society, will have to use. It will not be the same toolkit. It will be the same mission, though. It will be the same objective. It'll be the same endpoint, which is ending oppression. But ending oppression requires taking away the context, requires taking away the foundation and ability for that oppression to exist. So what does that mean? Well, you know, this this also goes on the same point that we were talking about a minute ago that says we want to mobilize, or excuse me, we don't want to mobilize, we want to organize, right? And so when we organize, we have to organize around issues, we have to organize around things that have happened. For example, the Black Lives Matter movement, right? And we have to face off against the injustice, against the oppression with the people in order to, A, simply and, you know, truly gain the trust of the people. Because that's first and foremost. If anything that we are doing is not immersed in the people, we are failing. Secondly, we want to. We say we want to help the people. All right, well, get down there and help the people, so that not only you're gaining the trust of the people, but also the people who they themselves we say we want to help, who need help, who need help desperately because they're facing off against the beasts which we live inside of. We need to give them support for the sake of gaining their trust and helping them. And the third thing is that we need to do this in order to truly build a collective mindset. Because we, as quote-unquote internationalists, have failed. Look at how the world has responded to the pandemic. Look at how the world has responded to Palestine and what's happening in India and Colombia under the Modi government and the, um, oh, geez, I can't think of it, Duque uh, regime. How, and, and what's happening in, in all over the world? What is the world's response? Nothing. We have solidarity marches. We have things of this nature which are incredibly important, but there is no action. And there is no organizational action that is conscious enough to defeat this because we are not at that point. But if we are doing anything other than trying to get ourselves to that point, we have failed yet again. Now, it's hard to say, you know, what are these folks doing? Oh, they're doing nothing. That's not true. These folks are doing more than I am am doing. These folks are doing more than the majority of us in the United States and elsewhere are doing. But our enemies are doing that much more. And that's kind of the point. And, and, and my point in recording this podcast was twofold. First and foremost, to catch up. Um, let y'all know where I'm at because I've been slacking here and I know it. Um, but, you know, life is life and I apologize for that. Um, but also, 
I wanted to record this because I think where we're at in what we call the United States, where we're at in the world, there has not been a more crucial and desperate time for us to build true internationalist solidarity that is in more than just words, in more than just electoral uh, uh, politicians who talk about these problems, who talk about these events that are happening across the world, but folks who take action. And now, something that I think we need to recognize and what I'll, I'll wrap up here with is the fact that, that that action, that true conscious organization and true conscious action, which will lead to solutions, not simply you know, different organizations participating in politics, not different organizations saying, oh, well, we're, we're, we're building this, you know, mutual aid org or, or, or we're, we're building this, you know, workers coalition and we're forming all these bylaws or what, you know, what have you. All these things are incredibly important, right? But to the fact that these things will not in and of themselves lead us to the solutions that we need is the point that we need to understand. And we need to understand that very clearly because in the point which we exist in 2021 there is not a chance to lose there is not a chance to be wrong there is not a chance to be you know misstep and that again I don't want to be the doomer and the gloomer here but I think that if we can't recognize the context we exist in we will fail to solve or, or change that context, which is the ultimate objective of these ideas of, you know, these, these politics of these actions is to change that. Um, so basically my point here in, in wrapping it up is just that change will never come. It will never come from in the United States these people in positions of power. First and foremost, to anyone who is holding on to this idea that there's going to be a united, you know, Soviet state of America, first and foremost, you are being chauvinist because you are not recognizing this is a settler colonial state. This is not our land. We have a, you know, socialist revolution here in the United States, guess what? That doesn't go to us. That doesn't go into the hands of white folks like me. That goes into the hands of the folks calling for land back, calling for decolonization. Our indigenous relatives who have been resisting and fighting colonialism and capitalism for hundreds of years, for generations. That's, that's you know, an, a, a, an incredibly important thing to recognize. Secondly, it will not come from these positions of power because, and if we're kidding ourselves here and thinking that this isn't the case, then, you know, we, again, have failed. We cannot expect that a ruling class, which exists for the state of, for the sake of the oppression of the working class, right? That is the distinction between us. And that's what the state exists for. It is a tool of the oppression of one class by another. If that ruling class is in that position and operating in that context, how ridiculous would it be 
to expect that that ruling class would set up perfect avenues, perfect, you know, uh, electoral positions and, and strategies and tactics that we can take participating in their politics and take power from them. That would be very stupid. And it would be very stupid of us to expect that that is the case, that that is a possibility. Not only will it be stupid because we exist in the United States, but it will become stupid even more because within the United States, we hold no power. The people are not organized. We might be organized against our government in some cases, but we are not organized for anything else. We are splintered. We are divided in our solutions and our ideas. And that can only be seen as natural. And that can only be seen as, you know, something we need to wage a struggle against in order to come to solutions, right? But at the same time, this is not something that you or I can outright change for the sake of knowing about it and wanting to change it. So let me actually finish before I talk in circles anymore. The change that we need will not come from the people who they themselves have created, perpetuated, and allowed the continuation of the oppression, the subjugation, the suppression, the domination, and the utter genocide. Because we cannot kid ourselves and use any other word for this context when you see how working people are being slaughtered by the pandemic, being slaughtered by military and police states, being slaughtered by laws and legislation like what they just passed in Tennessee and Texas and Florida, having to do with abortion rights, having to do with trans rights. This is slaughter. This is an outright attack on the people. And so how would we expect that those folks are going to be the ones to give us our ticket to freedom. It would be, in my opinion, for whatever that is worth to whoever is listening, it would be very time-wasting. It would be a ridiculous effort, and it would ultimately be a failure to expect that Especially a lot of the same things that we have tried before, because, you know, this struggle is not new, folks. It's been around for 150 years plus. And, you know, even more in some cases, thinking about like decolonialization and, and you know, anti-racism, anti-sexism things. Um, this has been going on for so long that we have tried things before and if any of us are kidding ourselves and not looking back at those attempts not learning from those failed you know quote-unquote solutions as they were presented then and are still being presented now um what are we doing honestly like i'm not i'm not here to demean anyone who's trying to organize i'm not trying to demean anyone who's trying to learn obviously this is a critique against myself as well and again this is not a critique against individual people none of this is a critique against individual people 
This is a critique against what it is that we as a movement, we as the quote-unquote left in the United States and in the world are failing. We are failing. We have failed. And that's okay. Because guess what? So have many, 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 many mass movements before us. Many revolutions, rebellions, uprisings, demonstrate like we're not the first, right? So don't get lost on that point. Don't get lost on the okay, we have failed. Yeah, cool. How many times have you failed trying to do things in your individual life? Does that mean now you're a loser, you're a failure, fucking? Just because you can't make creme brulee or you can't wage a revolution by yourself doesn't mean you're a failure. That's ridiculous. But the point of the matter is recognizing that these things will not come, right, from simply the positions of power or I should say, these things will not come in any, 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 the, I'm trying to think of the way to say it without kind of making it sound defeatist, but, you know, to say it, just to say it, you know, participating in electoral politics in the United States will not bring any amount of change that will actually impact the working class. There's too much bullshit in the way. There's too much regulation through the fact that the House of Representatives can't do anything without Congress, right? Half of, if not more, everyone who participates in government is a conservative, wealthy piece of shit, ruling class motherfucker who doesn't care about us. I would assume, to some extent, especially in this country, that we'd have that down by now, that we'd have that understood. Like, again, I know, I know we are up against the world's, like, most dominant force in some cases. But at the same time, you know, there comes a point where you want to just say, yo, who the fuck is paying attention right now? Because, you know, sometimes it feels like we, you know, especially in the United States, things happen. And then, again, we stand up, we sit down. Okay, let me finish here. I uh I just want to say this that the change that the oppressed masses not only in the United States but all across the world the change that they need will not come from the very people who have been oppressing them and it also will not come by the solutions which those people quote unquote grant to us those solutions will come from the people by the people, and they will come for the people, because we are here to end the oppression of the people. Anyone who's doing anything other than that is here for the wrong reasons, and if that includes you, figure it out, because guess what? I was there. I think just about everyone who tries to get involved in this shit was there at one point, because we're human beings. We live In a lot of cases, especially in the United States, we live in a very hyper-individualistic world. So to expect that then we don't act individualistic ourselves is, you know, ridiculous. But we have to fight that. We have to build that collective mindset like I was talking about earlier. So to finish, folks, you know, there's 
there is a crucial point where we need to recognize that there are solutions to be had, but those solutions will not come from the same acts, from the same attempts, from the same things which have necessarily been tried and succeeded before, because not everything is universalizable. A lot of things are. For example, the idea of the mass line. This is a universalizable organizational strategy where we go to the people, we bring from the people, and then we go back to the people. Because again, we are ending, we are fighting for the end of the oppression of the people. So in order to do that, we have to have the people there. And in order to have the people there, like I was talking about earlier, we got to have the trust, we got to actually be able to help them. And that means having solutions which will solve their problems. So if you folks are still listening, I appreciate you very much. Um, I think that even though I might have talked in many circles, I hope that that was at least informative enough to feel as if it was worth listening to. Um, If you want to, you can go ahead and check out my other stuff. Uh, I have quite a few episodes, so you can check all that out. Um, I also uh, would like to say that you can follow me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at In Defense of Liberation. If for whatever reason you want to reach out to me, uh, you can reach out to me there through my DMs. You can also reach out to me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Um, and if you would like to check out, you know, maybe you like what I had to say, maybe you don't, and you want to read something so that you can make fun of me more and have something to copy and paste and be like, look at this fucking idiot. Well, I have a blog, so you can check that out at for liberation, spelled just like that, no caps, no spaces, dot wix site, w-i-x-s-i-t-e dot com forward slash website. You can find my blog on there. You can find some other things on there. Um, it, uh, it's all right. You know, I, I, I don't prefer the blog because, uh, I get distracted as you can tell in this episode, I'm sure. Um, as you could probably tell in most of my episodes, but I get distracted. I don't always write as well, but yeah, I mean, if you want to see this in writing, you can find that there. Um, you should also check out my organization that I'm a part of, Leftist Unification Party. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Um, and yeah, I mean, if y'all enjoyed the show, if you could do me a favor, um, because it does actually really impact my views. Um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do here is we're trying to educate folks, even though it might not be the most educational show all the time. That's what we're trying to do. Um, and if that's what we're trying to do, we need people to listen to it, right? So if you could, please go ahead and uh, rate me five stars because that's the only if, – if you listen to Mark's Madness, which shout out Mark's Madness, didn't shout them out earlier. I'm ranting again, whatever. Let's go ahead and say just this. If you don't give me five stars, it doesn't do the same thing. Like if you give me four stars, it doesn't put me forward in the algorithm anything. Um and I would wish to be put forward in the algorithm so I can get talking with more folks. You know what I'm saying? Trying to educate more folks for whatever the, it's worth. Because honestly, 
if you think my podcast is shit, you're not going to do it anyway. So whatever. To the folks who care and would like to, please, if you could leave me five stars and a comment of any kind, it doesn't matter what you say. Just the same thing. If you don't put a comment, I don't believe that it's going to put me forward an algorithm. Uh, what March Madness does is <laughs> I made a joke when I had uh, um, Nathan on. Uh, and, and we were talking about how at one point somebody left a recipe in, uh, like their comment. So I just moved into a new apartment. I want a, honestly, new meals to cook. So that'd be cool if you want to leave me a recipe, but also I want to get like shit to hang up, like fucking socialist communist shit to hang up so if you have websites where you guys have purchased things like that please leave that in the comments anywhere uh but yeah thank you for listening thanks for doing that if you do that thank you for uh giving enough of a shit to hear my voice uh i hope everybody is safe staying healthy has a good day um if you don't have any events going on you know uh, uh regionally you should try to organize some kind of Palestinian, Indian, Colombian solidarity rally. I'm going to be going to one this Saturday, um, as I think many folks should be, to go out and show our support for the Palestinians, for the Colombians, and for the Indian folks, and for oppressed folks all over the world. It's not an end-all, be-all, but it is one way to organize in your community, to meet people, and to show your support for oppressed people everywhere. Um, This has been In Defense of Liberation. I am Josh. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. And uh, until next time, I've been Josh, and we will see you later. Have a great rest of your day. And as I said, stay safe.